But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something I just did. Free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. Uh, you got to execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's what we do here on the 9 by 9 Welcome, boys and girls. It is Tuesday, December 27th. This is episode 49. Welcome to the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the last show of 2022. The last Rob, one, we made it. Last show of the first entire year that we've done on this show. That's right. We started in November of 2021, and here we are with a full calendar year of volleyball under our belts here on the 9 by 9 My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett DeLorme, live from sunny Arizona, uh, south of the border, joining me for, for a week around the holidays. Not uh, quite sunny. Pretty pretty cloudy, actually. It's supposed to rain tomorrow as, as well, uh, which is apparently pretty rare in the desert. Um, but yeah. I'm stateside, so I'm in your country, but significantly further away from each other than we usually than are. we were before. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, usually I'm an hour behind Everett now. I'm an hour ahead of him. But uh, everything, thank you for uh, taking the time during vacation week to come on and do a show for the people. This is the the level of sacrifice that the people are used to. I mean, remember the one episode where I think it was during Women's World Championship when you were literally using the light of a campfire to to do the show. And like, Absolutely, that's the level well, of commitment you get here, boys and girls. Hundred percent. I mean, first and foremost um i'm I, i'm i was telling that story today and i'm upset that just somehow neither of us remembered to put that in our first year yeah review. What, a, what a miss like um, i don't know how we forgot that along with i've always i always wanted to put in when you got mad at me for asking if it was bad that the tier two teams uh went in tier one i um, so the thing is I, I tried to find that clip but there were so many times you asked me that exact question that I couldn't find the correct one where I got the most Fair angry enough. you for asking yeah. that. Yeah, and and then again, like we are, I mean, I'm more or less at my in-laws, so you know, when, and sometimes you get a getaway is is kind of nice. What better way to do it than just sit on a bed and talk about some volleyball? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Uh, I remember back before the nine by nine existed, Everett, I was in Arizona because my parents spent some time there, and I was doing the same thing. I was sitting on a bed doing a podcast with you. I think about like the twenty twenty one Champions League, maybe. Yeah, uh, I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> Good time. Yeah, totally full circle. <laughs> well, boys and girls, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to you all. Uh, last show of the, of the year 2022. Uh, we're going to try to make it a quick one. Uh, we would like to get done in an hour. That would be a true miracle with as, as much volleyball as we like to usually talk about. But to be honest, there wasn't that much this week in terms of stuff on the court. However, there was, off the there court, was, there was extremely, the extremely big news off the court, Everett. The coaching carousel has come to a halt, and it is very simply a two-way street as Daniele Santorelli is now the new head coach of the Turkish women's volleyball team. Daniele Santorelli leaves Serbia after winning a world championship, leaves Serbia to take the helm of the Turkish Federation, and none other than Giovanni Gudetti replaces him as the head coach of Serbia. What a crazy week this was. Yeah, um, I still don't know how I feel about this. Although I do love, I just wish they would have, I wish Guidetti hadn't been fired already if it was just a straight up trade, you know, like in the NHL or the NBA, you know, like maybe you pick up Santorelli with like a few future options. Uh, you know, you can naturalize some more Serbians because we know uh, Turkey loves doing that. Um, I honestly, I'm not sure how I feel about this. 
Um, I understand why Santorelli took it. Uh, it's reported that he's going to be making three times the amount um, with Turkey as he was with, uh, with, with Serbia. But at the same time, that job is like coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're coming in and there's a lot of pressure on you. There's a massive media scrutiny. And you don't necessarily have the complete team to make the run that the media is expecting of you. Right, you have a few horses. You have Mitch Marner. You have Austin Matthews. You know Karakurt and 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 um, Zargunesh and, and a few others. But you don't have the entirety, complete team that Santorelli had with Serbia. So I'm going to be like, to me, this is going to be the ultimate test for Daniele Santorelli to see if this, if if he is the coach that we think he is. Yeah, it's that's exactly right. It is going to be the true, true test of how valuable, truly is a great coach in volleyball. This is going to be the best possible experiment for that. Take two national teams who are in completely different places and straight up swap the coaches and check what the results are. I am fascinated to see that because on the Serbian side, now with Giovanni Gudetti, they still have a, a core of players that just won a world championship. Honestly, they don't need as much work as the Turkish team does. Santorelli has a bigger project in front of him to, to take that team with the pressure that is going to be on him and bring them to a internationally contending in every tournament sort of level. Gudetti's job is way easier. He, way just, has, easier. he just has to not get in the way. He has to take, take a team that's already amazing, that literally just won a world championship, and not get in the way. And I'm honestly not convinced that he's going to be able to do that. Uh, I, oh, okay. I, I, I think that he's the type of coach that kind of must insert himself into the way. And uh, there's a really fascinating dynamic between these two guys when you watch them coach, like when, when they've played before on the club level of Akafeng versus Corneliano, and, and you get looks and, and microphones into the timeouts. You can see the difference in vibe and the difference in style of their coaching. Giovanni Gudetti is overwhelmingly negative especially compared to Daniele Santorelli, who seems to me to be generally above average in levels of positivity. How is that going to work with a Turkish team for San with Santorelli now, who's who are used to being in under incredible scrutiny and underperforming, despite, I would say, globally inferior talent compared to the other contenders, and now get or, and they're used to Gudetti just yelling at them all the time, especially towards the end, and now they're getting Santorelli in who seems like much more level-headed and positive and and you know he'll he'll talk he'll talk tactics and he'll empower his players to make them feel good about what they're doing. And now Serbia on the other side is going to get a team that has all the confidence in the world and they're going to get Gudetti in there which is a completely different style. So I cannot wait to see how this works. I know the Serbian fans are extremely disappointed. I don't blame them. You just won a world championship and you couldn't the federation didn't even consider trying to match the Turkish Federation's offer to keep Santorelli. And if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. That, that, that just is what it is. But our, our Serbian people in the Discord are very upset about this. And honestly, I can't blame them. No, this is it's for things like this that I love the Discord because you get an immediate look into the reaction of that country to see like what's happening and, and what's going on. And you, you check their pulse. I'm going to be very interested to see how this, this does because I've always found that, you know, there's the... Um, what was his name? Was it Bill Collins? There's the guy. There's the guy who built Michael Jordan and the Bulls to what they were, but could never win with them. And then in comes Phil Jackson, 
who was fantastic with really good teams. But when we saw that when he started like working with the Knicks who weren't as good, he wasn't able to do it. There's yeah. some coaches that are really, really good at building the structures that are needed to win. And I think Heinen, for example, is one of these guys. Like he's doing really well with Nulifer this year in in the uh, the Turkish league. <clears throat> the Wimps teams because he the, those types of coaches do really, really well with lesser teams and help them to overperform by setting in, you know, um, just structures and systems and like a way to play. And then there's other types of coaches who are very, very good at um, managing egos and managing high level players. So to me, it's going to be, is, is, is how is that going to be? Because to me, Centrarelli has always been so good at managing, but he also does a good job at, at the technical tactical thing and the, the, the structure thing. I think so much of it that is that that's what Turkey needs. There's they've got so many gaps in their pyramid, if if it were to to allow them to be a top team. But that Serbian team, they have it all. They have right. all the players. They they have the system. Like everything's in place due to Santarelli. Now is Guidetti going to be able to be that emotional that 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 guy to help emotionally lead a team? And to me, I've always seen Guidetti as being a very emotional leader but a very emotional coach for better said, or for worse exactly for for better yeah. or for worse and and uh, speaking from me as a coach i know that at when i'm an, an, an emotional coach yeah sure the highs are really good and you're pumped up and you're whooping and hollering on the sideline but when you're low that really affects the team and i think we, as as to your point we've seen that with turkey so this is going to be very interesting very very interesting i think honestly I think Serbia is getting in the short end of the stick here in terms yeah. of the, their their players and their, their federation. Um, and I don't know if implementing Santorelli into that Turkish team is going to make enough difference to make them win tournaments. There is right? a chance that this deal is a lose-lose. Uh-huh. There is very legitimately a chance that this is a lose-lose. Uh, however, the only winner is Daniele Santorelli's checkbook. Uh, absolutely good for him and i i I mean money money talks especially in a in a sport like volleyball where we don't have that much of it to go around so nobody is going to blame him for for making this decision if if the numbers that are rumored are to be believed but uh in terms of the 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 two respective teams futures roadmaps towards like the paris olympics there's a chance that this is a lose-lose uh i i I, i'm never going to bet against santorelli but still i don't think that even with Santorelli, I don't think that Turkey has the bodies to get them on a podium in a major international tournament. So no man, it, yeah, it was I, like Canada this right. year, right? You, we could have we could have had Santorelli. We could have had the best coach in the world. That wouldn't, wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a really fascinating experiment for how much does coaching truly matter in volleyball. And I cannot wait for these two teams to play each other. That yep. is going to be awesome. It is going to be spicy, but also spicy. too like. You just love that that these two te- these two coaches are just on the top, right? They go head to head in club season. They go head to head in international season. So I can't, I can't wait till till we continue. Santarelli is owning Gudetti recently. He has had his numbers since since Champions League uh, for a national team and for this year so far, uh, it's been pretty one sided. Yeah. All right, uh, shall we move on? Let's, let's 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 do a quick little lap around the world of volleyball because there were some matches last week, right? I mean, there were some matches yesterday. I have to sure say, Rob, there was, I don't think there's anything quite like Italian League Volleyball on Boxing Day. On December 26th, they play games. And every stream I turned on, 
okay, maybe not the the, the Toronto Chistorna one. That one was pretty pretty <laughs> that sad. Was pretty for, rough. <laughs> pretty pretty rough for uh, for fans. But every other one was packed house. Doesn't matter men women. They love to like. You had the the Monza versus Milano derby. Like you, you, the, the same same thing with the Firenze against no, yeah, Novara. Scandici, yeah, that was a great. Or, one. Sorry, Scandici, not not Novara. Like they just they put so much emphasis on these regional rivalries and it's it's I love it absolutely love it I want to go spend Christmas in Italy one year just to go to these games afterwards. Dude, it, you're right. It was fun. It was really fun to watch these games. I, I'm still annoyed they were all going on at the same time, but just like I predicted, I was calling. I, I was on the call for Lube versus Padova, and Lube went into Padova and in front of a sold out crowd, like you said. They three-donged them. Uh, so fortunately for me, I got out in uh, like an hour, 15 minutes, and I could turn on the rest of the games and catch up with what was going on, on the men's side. So let's talk about a couple of these. We don't need to talk about Lube beating Padova. We don't need to talk about Perugia beating Siena. I honestly don't even really think we need to talk about Trentino beating Verona because it wasn't even close. I was really no, hoping it, for more. It was not even competitive. It's same old song and dance with Verona. I mean, get someone who's going to be able to pass the ball for you instead of just bang outside balls. They have two. They have Gordon but they have, they do, and they have two bangers. Brutal. They Pushkov, who's definitely like he's 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 cooled off. He's not what he was at the beginning of the season, but he's still effective. And you have the Rock, you have Rock Mozic, who was one of the, like the top two scorers in the league last year. You Seven, know he can throw, yeah. yeah, you know he can throw down 20, 30 points for you in a game. So just let let get Gord out there, who's going to get stabilize your stabilize your serve receive he's going to be bring a little bit of leadership to that floor which is what they're missing massively right now because there's too many young guys like running around with their heads cut off and you know this is this verona team was the team that we were we were looking at you know making a serious run this year and they're just dropping off more and more and i mean we know why like Soichev, you're a stooge get namori <laughs> keda off the court Sapochkov hasn't been that effective Make those two compete on the right side. Yep. Bring in Gord, solidify your offense. Absolutely. I mean, they went to Rafael in the third set, which is something I'd kind of like to see more. I think that Lucas Spirito is a good in-system setter. He's not good at bettering the ball when he has to scramble around. That is what Rafael is really good at. So you, you have to you have to bring in your two Italian middles for that, but maybe it'll work. You've got to play Gord Perrin more. Trentino was amazing. They were amazing. Daniele Lavia, way over 50% efficiency. Both the middles feasted. Like, this was never even close. I mean, you can see those score lines, 13, 13, 16. Yeah, enough said. It was, it was a three-dong, an hour and a shower, how, however you want to put it. Let's see. What was, what, was the, what was the duration of this match? <laughs> how many minutes did it last? I'm pretty sure the score yeah, should tell me that. Just real quick to go over the passing numbers. Namuri Keita, he got a six-time, only 20% positive, 8%. 8% perfect. He got 25 uh, targets. Rock got uh, 13. And Gagini, the libero, got 18. So you know, like, serve receive is the issue at Verona. Big time. Gagini is already a hole, so you need to bring in Gord Parent. Agreed. But Stoichev, your stooge, is not going to happen. And that's why you guys are going to fail. One hour and one minute. <laughs> that's a straight up hour and that shower. Is a straight up hour and shower. That is the truest hour and shower I think I've ever seen in international volleyball. It is crazy that, <laughs> like, I mean, you could have gone to this game and then driven to another Super Lega game and started at the same time in like Northern Italy somewhere and still made it before the end of it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's nuts. All right, awesome. on to the on to the next one. Which one are you talking about? Uh, talk let's about let's do one. Modena uh, very swiftly and convincingly three donging Piacenza. This is the match that I was looking forward to the most uh, this this weekend, and I didn't get to see any of it live because by the time my game ended, uh, which was pretty close to an hour in a shower, Piacenza had already laid down and died. What happened here? 
Uh, Tommaso Rinaldi, let's go! What? <laughs> I know, right? This is this is where I'm seriously getting worried for Piacenza. You're getting three donged by Modena, and Rinaldi's dropping 12 points on you. Yeah. You get eight kills and four, four aces. aces. Can't have that. Four aces by Tommaso Rinaldi? Come on, Piacenza. You've got to figure it out. This is honestly starting to be one of the biggest flops in volleyball this season. How 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 do you fail to take a set, being Piacenza, when your roster, especially compared to this Modena team, is as good or better at literally every position? Uh, one word, Bernardi. Bernardi. Uh, also, shout-outs to my boy, Daddy Stankovic, a, a sterling five-for-five five with the block for, and, and no errors of any kind for uh, a, nice, a nice six points on Boxing Day. Uh, love me some Daddy Stankovic. Odyssey Gumjo is really good. Irvin Ingepet was awesome. Eight for 11 with only one error is insane. Uh, Modena's offense looked really, really good, at least according to the stat sheet. What the heck's going on here with Piacenza? What lineup did they even play? Let's see. Uh, so, seem- okay, they did what I wanted them to do. Well, minus Luka Basic. What is he doing getting playing time? What's going on there? But the- the- they did what I wanted them to do in playing Rechine at outside and playing both Cuban middles. Was Yoandi Leal not even on the roster in this one? What's going on? Somebody yeah, no, in the no, chat, no, tell us. Sure. Uh, somebody in the chat knows why. Why didn't Yoandi Leal play this game? That 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 would help to know. It's, it certainly explains some things. Uh, but yeah, Yuri Romano, fine. He just didn't get any support from anywhere. This Piacenza team is, you know, once again, there's there's teams that know how to win, and there's other teams that don't know how. And just spending a lot of money on players just doesn't just doesn't do it for it. I mean, if you look at it, Luka Basic, nine points. Yeah, it doesn't even look like Leal was at all even on the the uh the roster out here, and that's a huge, huge hole for Piacenza. Yeah. Now another was Lucarelli, it looks like. Lucarelli is uh he's having surgery on that hand that he hurt a week or two ago. So uh, he's okay. he's gonna be out for a little while, but I did not know about Leal. I don't I don't know why he didn't play. So somebody in the YouTube chat right now watching help us out with that one. So yeah, um, Modena kind of cements their spot at, at second in the league. Or sorry, that that belongs to Lube. Modena tied with them in points. Up uh, as we check out the standings before we uh, talk about some more matches. Um, close, really, really close everywhere. I mean, Lube, Modena, everywhere. Trentino, all within a point. Uh, Piacenza yep. kind of chilling at fifth, and Verona uh, lost three of their last five. They're dropping from I think they were as high as fourth, maybe even third at one point. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. The Where I want to look at leading into the next game is that 8-9 race right, yes. right now between Monza and, and Milano. And Monza really took a big uh, jump up uh, in the points. They had 12 points heading into uh, yesterday's matches. Got a th- nice 3-1 win. They move up now to um, 17 or just two points behind Milano. And that's, that's a big win for them. I mean, last time around when they played Milano in the first half of the season, they took the lead and then got... Lost in the reverse sweep. This all it almost happened this time. Milano did win the <laughs> did win the third uh, with a nice comeback effort uh, off the the heels of, of who else? Osniel Malgarejo, our Cuban friend. Uh, but there just wasn't enough. Monza was looking really really good uh, in this one, and it was an all Canadian affair. It with was and Arthur Schwartz tag team in it for for Monza. Who needs Jurgi Grozer? Arthur Schwartz gets to start it opposite. Grozer didn't even dress. There there were shots of him sitting on the bench in street clothes next to Kachopa and Arthur Schwartz comes out and drops 18 points on 17 for 34. Uh and that that honestly ever that might have been the best I've ever seen Steven Marr play. Especially as kind of Monza's primary guy. He did everything for them and he did it well. 22 uh, four blocks, 17 kills and an ace. I thought he looked awesome. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've watched Stephen Stephen Marl. I've been watching Stephen Marl since he was like fourteen years old, right? So I've watched him play a lot of ball. I don't know if it, that was his best game per se, but he it was definitely up there. That was that was a classic Stephen Marr game. But going back to Arthur Schwartz, I mean, I think that dynamic of having Grozier and Schwartz is fantastic for for Monza. Yeah, they should use it you, more. They really should 100%, give hundred percent give Grozier 100%. one out of every three matches off. Seriously, yeah. Or even use it more dynamically throughout the match, right? Because if because Grozier, like he's he's older, right? You need to give him you you need to give him a little bit of time. Plus, how difficult is it for a defense when you have Grozier who's coming in? He's hitting the ball at a different height with a different pace at a different angle. Then all of a sudden you have to deal with Arthur Arthur Schwartz, who's physical and he's strong. He's going to go OT on you. That's gonna that's gonna cause a lot of issues for defenses out there. So I don't know why Monza doesn't use that more often. I I love that call Uh, on the Milano side. They, I mean. I tuned in about midway through set three after my match was over and it was competitive, but still it's weird that Milano now that they have three healthy middle block blockers on the roster have gotten worse. Literally the best ball they've played all season was when they only had one middle and they were scrambling and nobody knew knew what to do against them. And now they just, they just kind of seem clueless. Even Yuki Ishikawa, who's kind of the model of consistency for them. Wasn't very good. Um, Sorry, go ahead. It's, no, I don't. I don't have that much more because I'm confused. I, I'm I'm confused about this Milano team. Help me. Help help me figure this out. I have I have two observations. First and foremost, you got Pablo, like the you know Poro, who's just spraying balls like a machine gun. Like you know when you play COD and you're like looking through the scope and you can just see it spraying everywhere except where you want to hit. That's Poro setting the ball. It's <laughs> it's rough sometimes. But on the other side, they, there's no leader on this team. Like, there's no guy who's going to take them together and be like, yo, look, let's go. And you've got a lot of guys who do really, really well when things are going well, but they're all quiet types. Um, That's true. And, and and you've got – also, you've got, like, your leaders – how many of them speak Italian? How many of them even speak English? Right? Does a bad – like, how's, how's a Batapur's English and Italian? How it's, is he able to communicate? A Batapur's English is excellent. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, right. And, yeah. and Ishikawa, Ishikawa has been there for a while, so him too. But to me, when I look at that team and I look at when they're struggling, there's no one bringing them together. There, there's no one getting things going. And, and that's really what that, this Milano team is. They're missing – they're missing that Stephen Marr type player who's going to bring the boys together and get the team on their back. That's why they're so good with him, and that, that's why I love watching Marr beat up on Milano. Yeah, uh, he played for him the, that two years ago and really ago, struggled yeah. to get off the bench, which was completely ridiculous. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of talks about the future of Piazza's coaching career. Uh, is he is he even going to make it to the end of the season with Milano? I think that remains to be seen. Um, Dude, wh- why is there so much coaching dead weight? In the best league, it, there's the a lot of dead weight. I mean, like, why do we continue top, top to three, just hire top three stooges in volleyball? Stoichev, Piazza, Bernardi have have three playoff teams right now, and all three of them could do better, right? Like, there's so many good young coaches out there. Get these stooges out there, and let's get some better volleyball because this is this is getting ridiculous. Word, but uh, yeah, good for Monza for getting the revenge on the road and the the battle of the the city of Milano because. As we've been confused by their women's by Monza's women's program before, they're trying to claim Milano as their home city, even though they're in the near suburbs. Uh, last but not least, Everett, I think we should talk about uh, your boy Eric Lepke playing great for Toronto, but his team totally blowing a two sets to none lead with match points in the third and getting reverse swept by Cisterna. That was rough to watch. I, the, the turning point for me was in the fifth set. Uh, Toronto's setter Marco Filoski had a wide open overpass swing to extend an already pretty good service run and he flailed it out of bounds. That was rough. Yeah, it, it was rough. And I mean, 
one thing I will have to say is, you know, we talked about it after the Italy versus Canada game at the World Championships, and I said it might be that might have stood, that might have ended Lepke's career in Italy because of how poorly he played that match. Yeah, he was terrible. But to his credit, and makes my heart happy to watch him do like be a classic EFL Eric freaking Lepke um, from Trinity Western days because he's been flying high this season for Toronto. And I truly think that performances like this and other performances as he had throughout the year and is probably going to continue to have is not only going to allow him to stay in the Super Lega, but continue like, like get signed by a better team next season. Give the people his stat line for this five set match. Okay. Let me, let me, let me find this here. We are okay. Of course, right now it's everything's being slow. He was 25 for 43. With all with five errors, which is quite a bit, but only thirteen continues. He had way more kit, like double the amount of kills than everything else combined. He was absolutely unreal. Also came in with an ace, ace on this one. Um, he's just he's been playing out of his mind. I'm really happy to see it. For yeah, him. I mean, being a volume scorer is not Eric Lepke's play style, but when he needs to do it, he can do it. He outscored Tommaso Stefani, who is a volume scorer. I mean, 25 for 43, even if you get blocked four times, like that is an amazing performance in five sets for an outside hitter. That's fantastic. So 100%. He, he's certainly not the problem for Toronto. Uh, but again, Chisterna comes back in a game, wins a crazy one, mostly on the really just their blocking presence. 12 blocks total, another double-digit blocking game for Chisterna. I, I, I don't know if I can get their stats fast enough, but they've got to be up there towards the top, if not the best team in the league in terms of blocks per set. They stuff block a lot of balls. And yeah, uh, they Pates, Pates hard Zierlich with another banger, 20 for 43 attacking. Yeah, I, mean, I think when you look at their blocking, you have to look at Aiden Single. He got four four blocks in the fourth and fifth alone. The other, the right? other key play in that fifth set was Aiden Zingle made an unbelievable one-on-one read to shut down a 31 for, for a break point. They were up by two at that point, and that, that, that was it. Awesome yeah, 100%. Play. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just like a, such a solid play by the Aust- the Australian. He's really been been making his mark this year and improving why he should be in in the Super League and continue continue to be in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Chisterna, it looked like they were going to get get three dawn. They were able to come back, save it a little bit. And I mean, they're they're holding on for a playoff spot, right? Toronto is trying to fight off relegation, and they were so close. Three points would have been massive for them. Instead, they only get one. Uh, but still happy for my boy Eric Lepke. Yeah, Chisterna really did themselves a lot of favors uh, with with coming back and winning that match, grabbing two points from it. They jump up into sixth as we take a look at the standings one more time before I move on. Uh, so this is not quite the same as the Italian Cup draw, uh, which is coming up starting tomorrow, actually, the quarterfinals. Uh, but because there's so much movement week to week, uh, it's just it's just so tight in this league. It's really fun to watch. Uh, yeah, Monza is... Monza did themselves a lot of favors as well by beating Milano on the road and getting three points from it. So there they can taste a playoff spot in this point. But let's talk about the Italian Cup, Everett, because I don't think we really covered it all that much when the field got set after the first half of the season officially wrapped up. But the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia start tomorrow. It's kind of crept up on me. Uh, we- yeah. At tomorrow we got we got the first match. What is it? Milano against uh, I, th- I think no, Modena Trentino. versus Trentino. Yeah, is Modena versus Modena versus Trentino, which I, I think is going to be a great match to to get it off. The Italian Cup too is just I think like especially these quarterfinal matches they have just more eyes on them. 
Yeah. We've talked about it before. Once you get into these cup games, there's a much larger importance on the national scale. So you've got much more like Italians who may not be aware of Superlega and volleyball watching the Italian Cup. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we know that uh, Perugia is, is looking for that next infinity zone. Um, but I still think, especially tomorrow, one match tomorrow, three matches on Thursday, I think there's going to be some good ones in these quarterfinals. I think so, too. So let's talk about the seeds and the matchups. Um, of course, you got the one versus eight, Perugia versus Cisterna. By the way, these sets, these seeds were set according to the standings after the 11th game of the season, which was the halfway point, So, uh, which is why these numbers are a little different from the standings now. So Perugia versus Cisterna, one versus eight. Not really any drama there. Of all these matches, that's the one I'm not planning on tuning into very much. Uh, back two matches ago, before Verona continued to lose, they were as high as the four seed. So Verona gets the four seed in the Italian Cup. They'll take on the five seed Piacenza. And two teams that are having roller coasters of seasons, and where are those going to intersect? I think that could be fun. I honestly, I honestly want to pick Piacenza in this one. I'm going to pick Verona. All right, cool. Uh, I... I I think it's just two stewed coaches, two stewed <laughs> coaches, two bad organizations in general going toe to toe. So you're on the same footing, which is very poor. And then at the end of the day, I think PHN's just like way more. Who, who can climb out of the quicksand the fastest? That hundred percent will be fun. Uh, Lube gets the two seed. They'll take on Milano, the seven seed. Th- those matches are always pretty fun. If I remember correctly, Milano beat Lube in last year's Italian Cup quarterfinal. Uh, somebody. Somebody check me for that in the chat. I'm pretty sure that happened last yeah, year. I so I think you're right. So I some right. some revenge there for Lube, perhaps. And then, like like Everett said, the three versus the six is Modena versus Trentino. Crazy that Trentino was as low as six. They were tied at the time this was drawn. Uh, Verona, Piacenza, and Trentino were all tied in points. And on tiebreakers, Trentino gets the six seed. They'll take on Modena. That I think is the the spiciest and potentially highest level match of them all. Hundred percent, and I do think that you have to give advantage to Trentino. They've just been the better team throughout. However, this Modena team, I think, with how slow they started, this is a team that could surprise a lot of people, especially later on, because like, like they have so much talent and they have so many veteran players that can just pop off at any point. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm almost liable to go for Modena, Modena on this one, but I still think Trentino's going to take it. I think Trentino's going to win as well. So that match, Modena versus Trentino, is tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, December 28th. And then the other three matches are all on Thursday, uh, the 29th. So uh, Copa Italia quarterfinals this week. That means no matches at all in the Super League of this weekend. So the guys get uh, a little bit of a break this coming New Year's weekend, and that's uh, pretty well-deserved, to say the least. So uh, that's about it. Uh, we're going to definitely be watching those games in the Volleyball Source Discord, which if you're not a member already, join it. The link is in the description. Yeah, absolutely. Ready to All move right. on to the women's side, Everett? Yeah, let's 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 jump into the women as as we keep it going. And once again, there was just some banger matches yesterday. They were well attended, and some surprising, maybe not too surprising results. Um, one of them, yes, uh, but man, the, the the women's side is just so crazy and super like a feminine, super like a femininity this season. It is nuts. So. This, it was the last game of the first half of the regular season on the women's side, which means the quarterfinal field for the Italian Cup on the women's side was set after these games. And there was some drama about it because Busto Arsizio, like we've talked about throughout the year, had started off very, very slow, but lately had crept their way up into a playoff spot. They needed to win, uh, at least 
or maybe even just take a point against Malonza uh, to secure or to just guarantee themselves a spot in the Copa Italia, which they could not do. They got swiftly three donged and Malonza looked great. They finally like set it, settle on a lineup. Jordan Larson on the left, Magdalena Stisiak on the right. They kept it for the whole match. That was nice to see. So Busto Arsizio loses 3-0. They don't get any points. And they still, at the time, were still in the eighth spot. However, uh, shortly after that, Cuneo, out of nowhere, comes back and, and beats Novara in five to leapfrog Busto Arsizio and take the eighth spot in the Copa Italia. So now uh, Cuneo is eighth. Busto Arsizio, thanks for participating. No Italian Cup for you. Uh, Cuneo gets the lovely privilege of getting smoked by Cuneliano in the first round, but uh, good for them. That's one of the upsets of the year. Cuneo coming out of nowhere and beating Novara. Yeah, it has to be. And I mean, this women's league this year has just proved like it provided so many upsets and interesting storylines. Busto just struggling. Another team that has been struggling is Firenze, who's just even further down. Um, that, that Talk about their rivalry match versus Scandici, which they just did not show up in. No, they did not show up in. And Britt Herbots is just not having the year that we were expecting her to have, especially after the summer that she had to with with uh, with the Belgian team and all of all of that heartbreak. I was expecting her to come back firing. It, it just haven't hasn't happened. But you know, got to give a lot of shout outs to teams like. Chikieri, who, you know, up in fifth right now. Same thing with Casa Maggiore, Bergamo as well. Just staying ahead of, of classic powerhouses like a Busto Arcizio. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, so, b- by the way, on the Novara side, we've talked about their injuries. They're not going to have Jordan Poulter the rest of the year. However, they are starting to slowly but surely get Mackenzie Adams back. So that really helps their outside hitter position. She played uh, a little bit in Champions League last week and a little bit in this uh, loss to Cuneo, but uh, that is a, a very important piece for Novara to still make deep runs in playoffs and Champions League. So uh, that's a good sign for them. But uh, credit to Cuneo for this little upset to grab to push them into the eighth spot. So here is the the, the latest standings in the Lega Volley Femminile. Scandici uh, leapfrogs Malonza into the second position by just one point. It's kind of a three-team race at the top, honestly. I, I think that Scandici and Milano are, and Malonza are both noticeably better than Novara, I would say. Uh, Chieri hanging around at fifth, Castle Maggiore and Bergamo quietly at six and seven, and then Cuneo gets into the Copa Italia on tiebreakers with three teams tied at 15 points. I mean, I still think it's a one-team a one race. I think so, top, too. And the, the other two teams are playing for second. <laughs> I right? think so, Canigliano too. Canigliano does have that one loss where they rested everyone for the World Club Championships, and it turned out because right now they're the best team in the world after beating Paolo Agono and, and Vakovic, and beating... So, yeah, this is a one-horse race right now. But I I think especially the way that Scandici's playing, the way that roster's put together, the versatility that they have, to me, there's there's a clear one, two, three, and that's what we got right now. I totally agree. So before we take a look at the official field for the the Copa Italia on the women's side, uh, there's news, Everett, and we had been waiting. We talked about it last week. Where are the recent... NCAA women's graduates, girls coming straight out of college in the United States, where are some of their, those girls going to go mid-season to start their professional careers? And we've got one going to Italy. We've got none other than Claire Chasse from the University of Louisville trying to hop on Macerata and help them avoid getting relegated. So you can see the standings there. Uh, Macerata was six points. Pinarola was six. Perugia was seven. 
two out of those three teams are almost definitely going to get relegated. And so Maratarata makes a nice midseason move, bring in Claire Chasse fresh out of the NCAA and see if she can help them stay in the top division of the League of Volley Feminina. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea had a fantastic uh, season yeah, with Louisville this really year. Good. She was she was really, really good. Wasn't as uh, – she was pretty good in the final, but wasn't as – effective and i just think that matchup for for louisville uh against texas was really really bad but i'm gonna be interested to see uh, another another team and i mean they're they're in that bottom that bottom race and they're only one point behind the, the team that's two two points ahead of them so she could be, end up making a massive difference for that team that's looking to, to stay away from relegation at the end of the season right yeah we'll see i mean Chasse is not the biggest outside hitter maybe maybe six feet i don't think she's much more than that which in in the italian league uh, she's gonna be a bit undersized she's incredibly dynamic but how quickly can she get over there and learn the style of game and be able to control the ball at that level that's what i'm, I'm interested to see but um if you're Maturata, throw her on the court the, the, the worst you're going to do is get relegated, which you very well may get relegated anyway. You might as well give the girl some run and see if she can rescue you. So uh, that's cool. Um, congrats to her, and I'm looking forward to watching her play in the Italian League. Absolutely. Got to love more North Americans playing in the Italian totally. League. All right, so here is the official field for the Coppa Italia on the women's side. So these these matches aren't anytime soon. They're not until the end of January. But you've got Cuneliano, the one seed, taking on Cuneo. Novara versus Chieri is the four versus five. I think that match could be really good. Uh, Scandici two versus Bergamo seven. You never know. I actually kind of like Bergamo's team. And then Malonza versus Castle Maggiore is three versus six. And with as as streaky as Malonza is, uh, you never know about that one. So probably chalk, but I could really see uh, Novara versus Chieri being a fun match. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, I might even go for Chieri in that one because... Novara is just such a, a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, to me, any team that is living dying off of Everard Karakirk is, is in trouble. Um, not because I don't think she's fantastic. Take I, notes, I think Daniele Santorelli. <laughs> I think she's I think she's one of the best players in the world, hands down. But she's so emotional. Yeah, and that's that's that to me. Like if like if Santorelli and Karakirk can get on the same page and he can be positive to her, that's going to be a massiveness. But I don't know if that's going to be possible. <laughs> You know? Yeah, fair enough. So uh, in the Lega Volley Femminile, they also have uh, they also have the weekend off, by the way. So no matches in the Italian Women's League at all this week. And this weekend, uh, they've got until the weekend of January 7th. Uh, so a nice little holiday break for the girls. Well, Rob, here's a, qu- here's a quick question for you. Yes, here. Does Ebra Karakut have the biggest ego in women's volleyball? Whoa, did that come from the chat somewhere? That that's No, that's, 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 that's straight from the old noggin. Whoa, that, that's, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> She had the biggest ego in women's volleyball. Honestly, Everett, in general, I would like for there to be more egos in women's volleyball. 100%. I think I, agree. I think the landscape of women's volleyball is too friendly. I think everybody likes each other and everybody wants to sing kumbaya and get along and like hold hands in circles and dance around at tournaments regardless of who wins. I don't like that. I want there to be more bad blood on the women's side. So with that said, I don't really know of any huge egos that come to mind, maybe other than a broad character. So maybe, maybe you're on to something there. Yeah, 100%. Like the only one I could think of is maybe a Gonu, but she doesn't really strike me as having a massive ego. And especially when you look at how some of her teams like reacting around her, I, I, I don't really see her having a big ego. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, we, we might have to have some people that we know do some digging on the women's side and then get us some feedback about that one. 
All right. So uh, no matches this weekend in the Italian Women's League. A uh, couple other headlines around European women's volleyball, though, ever before we move on. Uh, two things from last week, both loosely related to the Turkish Women's League. The first thing is that kind of like we I don't know if we can take credit for calling this, but we were. No, we uh, no, we are 100 percent going to take credit for calling this. <laughs> Stuttgart beat, beat Fenerbahce. We said it was going to be a match. We said it was possible. So 100 percent. Like, let's let's take credit. for All it. right. We'll take it. We'll, we'll take <laughs> we'll take credit for it. Stuttgart beats Fenerbahce in five in Champions League. Uh, Stuttgart's two and oh in that pool, which is really impressive. Uh, Crystal Rivers, baby. Let's love go. Some Crystal Rivers. Uh, Fenerbahce is struggling, dude. They cannot support Arena Fedorovseva, and there's a lot of rumors surrounding what they're going to do about this problem. It sounds like for yet another year, they're going to wait for Melissa Vargas to be done playing in China, bring her back in, just like last year. That totally makes sense to me. Uh, sounds like Vuchkova is going to do the exact same thing, but I don't know how soon those reinforcements can arrive, because like we talked about on last week's show, uh, Fenerbahce's got a match with Zajabasha on January 14th. And I think the Chinese league runs through like the beginning of February. So uh, Fenerbahce is going to have to hold on for due life until reinforcements arrive. Fenerbahce is one of those teams that is interesting because a like they did they did beat big teams early on. Like they they were the ones who beat um, Vakov Bank in that the Turkish Cup Finals, correct? Super Cup, yeah. The Super Cup, the Super Cup Finals, but also because Fenerbahce in its entirety is one of is the biggest sport organization in Turkey. Right. Oh so man, Fenerbahce's sport for sport is, is enormous. Is, is up there, you know, with it's it's it could quite possibly want to be one of the best all-encompassing sport clubs in the world. I like agree. I don't I don't know of one other sport that competes on so many different levels like Fenerbahce. So if there's one team that has a budget to make a run, not this year, but in the next years, it's gonna be Fenerbahce. So that's why they're always a team that I'm interested in watching. Yep. So we'll see if they can get they're definitely going to get melissa vargas in and, and it sounds like in the last year or so melissa vargas who grew up in cuba has renationalized to turkey i think i don't know how that's going to shake out in terms of her potentially playing on the national team but uh at least in in the next couple years she's not going to count against the foreigner limit for fenerbahce anymore so that will certainly help yeah 100 percent i it's going to be interesting to see too, because apparently they're going to be um, getting Karatasu as well. So we'll that's see what's right. going on. With. That's right. We're, we're going to see how Sensor yeah. really deals with all of that. And you drama. can only have one player on the national team that has previously played for a different national team. So what's he going to do about that? Uh, we'll see. Uh, other match we got to talk about coming out of the Turkish Women's League domestically is. Uh, We've talked a lot this year about the, the big three teams in Turkey, Vakif Bank, Zajabasha, Fenerbahce in no particular order. But we got to give credit to teams four and five because the, the top mm. five teams in Turkey are really, really good. And those two teams, THY Istanbul and Galatasaray, played the other day, and it was a five-set banger. Your girl, Everett, Kiera Van Rijk, pushed THY over the top, and they went it in five. Yeah, uh, I mean, Kira's been in the, in the Turkish league now for three years. This is second her second season with with THY, and I mean, we know that she has the ability to to, to put balls down like this, and um, you gotta love it. Gotta love, gotta love watching my Canadian girls just just kill it. She she played so well, thirty two points, twenty nine for fifty five attacking. Uh, she's getting that sort of set load that we see out of the elite opposites in the world, and this time she delivers. So that was really cool to see. Also, and in, 
it, sorry, in my opinion, Kira, Kira, she's not amongst that that elite level. No, not yet. amongst the, but she's kind of in that secondary level, not as high as Kara Cook, but you know, on the lower end of that secondary level. Definitely a top ten opposite in the world, at the very least, maybe even like top eight, seven, or six or so. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely the range I'd put her yeah. in. Uh, so shout out to Kira Van Rijk. THY does win that match, but Galatasaray is bringing in reinforcements, Everett. You, yep. I give you credit for calling this. I didn't think it was possible for a Turkish team to go out and get an American NCAA player midway through the season because of foreigner issues. But sure enough, none other than the ABCA and NCAA player of the year, Logan Eggleston from Texas, is headed to Galatasaray. Yeah, you, you got to love it. And I think she's going to make an impact immediately. I, I think, think so that's, too. I think that's a team that needs another outside. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, I think she really fits well in Turkey too, because I'm not going to say she's not skilled because that's, that's definitely not true. And if you go and put those words in my mouth, my mouth will hurt you, <laughs> but she's more so of a physical player. She's yeah. big and she's physical. And I think her style of play suits per- Turkey very, very well. I think that's well said. I'm I'm just so excited for this. I, I, it's cool when these girls get these opportunities, and like it's it's a different situation than Claire Chasse going to a team in Italy to hopefully help them not get relegated. Galatasaray is a playoff team. Like that team is good, and that team has aspirations of at the very least the semifinals in the Turkish league, and maybe stealing a match in the Turkish Cup here or there. So I'm excited for for her to have an impact in a big league and at a good team. Hundred percent. I mean, we saw it a little bit with Dana Retke last year. She came right. in and immediately impacted at, at Malonza, or it was Malonza back then because we weren't having all these <laughs> issues. But the, it, it, it definitely kind of phased out. She had a really good first month, and then everyone was starting to figure it out. So I'm going to be interested to see how uh, Logan Eggleston uh, does. Uh, yeah. But she hasn't been. She has not been uh, announced on Volleybox yet. Okay, uh, that is confirmed from everything that I've seen. Um, I don't know what what sort of places in media need to make that official for everyone on the online to really pick it up. But I think it's pretty safe to to say that Eggleston's headed to Galatasaray right now, probably right after the new year, if I had to guess. All right, perfect. I'm excited to see it. So before we get to Everett, some of our year end wrap up sort of things on this show because it is the last episode of 2022 uh what t-shirt are you wearing right now oh you know i'm just wearing our brand new nine by nine square it's just you know let's 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 just let's just bring it in my lighting's oh, not great oh yeah look at that and like my little favorite detail i don't know if you see it you've got right here it just says nine by nine equals 81 square meters right which is which is the tagline of this so love it also this shirt is so comfortable right we, we, yeah, I, I upgraded a little bit of the material for this one, and it just looks good. Not to mention, you can get it in so many fun colors in the sweater and the and, and the hoodie. So make sure to head over to that volleyball.store uh, to pick up all of your 9x9 merch, your spicy volleyball merch, like that beautiful shirt, uh, three-quarter baseball tee that Rob is wearing right now. We've got plenty of stuff, so make sure to head over to that volleyball.store uh, to get your merch. Check it out. Get some stuff. Uh, don't care if the holidays are over. It's never a bad time to buy some great gear. So that volleyball.store, hit it up. All right, Everett, let's take a look back at the year in volleyball that was 2022. I mean, we 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 did a couple little wrap-ups in between in the middle of the year. Like, we, yeah, we, we kind of, we kind of did a club season wrap-up in May. We kind of did a national team season wrap-up in September. But let's, 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 let's look back. And in the form of doing this, on last week's episode of the show, we asked the, the good people, 
the good people that, that love us and watch the show and that have already thumbs up this video. We asked them to leave us a comment after last week's episode was over and ask us questions about sort of wrapping up the year 2022 and that we would answer them on the show. So we've got a handful of them. Uh, we've got some good questions uh, that we can get into. And then we will end the show with Everett and I unveiling our top 12 players lists of the year 2022 for the men's side. Uh, we'll, we'll, fo we'll follow back up with the women's side either next week or the week after. We'll see if Volleyball World chooses to put out another joke of a list again this year but uh we're ahead of it this time so we're ending the show with that but first let's jump into the uh you all's questions from last week uh everywhere do you okay. want where do you want to start let's start with some of them that we've both answered so i can figure <laughs> out my answers for the other ones while we talk i like that uh <laughs> whatever uh simple one what was your favorite match of the year there are there's, of all the hundreds and hundreds of matches played this year which one was your favorite Oh, thousands of matches, bro. Thousands. Hundreds, like a hun hundreds, thousands. is like VNL in itself. Thousands. <laughs> um, you know, we watch hundreds of matches this year, and there was thousands that went on. Um, to me, I have to go to the World Championship quarterfinals, France versus Japan. Um, there was just something about that match that the way Japan was playing was so magical. Um, and at its peak, I love watching Japanese volleyball. You know, I wish it was more effective on the world stage. Because it's truly, for me, the, the prettiest volleyball to watch. The best volleyball to watch. The, the most expressive volleyball to watch. Um, and I don't know if there was a match. And maybe it's recency bias because, you know, I, I, like, I, I'm thinking back to some of, some of the Champions League stuff that happened earlier in the year that uh, I loved, especially watching the Discord. But there was just something about... I could not keep my eyes away from France versus versus Japan in the World Championships and uh yeah that one has to that one has to be my my pick that was a great great match like two extremely visually appealing teams i mean you're you're right about japan everything you just said about them but france not far behind in terms of just beauty of the game and they're there competing to win tournaments at the highest level i.e the olympics so i think that's a pretty good pick um my favorite match of the year is i'm, I'm kind of cheating because i'm going to pick two matches it's the two-match series in the semifinals of the Men's Champions League between Perugia and Trentino. That series was probably the best two matches in Champions League that weren't the final, maybe even ever. It was that good. It was so ridiculously high level. There was all the drama. It was, it was contained within Italy, so the rivalry was there. They had played each other like eight times that year at that point. And Trentino wins it in a golden set at home, like 17-15 in the fifth. Well, in the golden set after two five-setters to even get there. It was absolutely ridiculous. The level was so high. I, I remember in the golden set, Trentino went up like, I don't know, nine to three or something like that on a Micheletto service run. And Wilfredo Leon on a knee that ended up needing surgery, like single-handedly willed Perugia back into the game. It was so dramatic and so amazingly fun to watch. Yeah, that was that was another good one. Uh, another one that, that comes to mind too is that uh, Lube JW series. That Ooh. was that was fan that was fantastic. That was too, a great so. one. Hundred percent. All uh, right. Where should we? There was a question. Well, speaking of Perugia, there was a question in the chat last uh, after last week's show. What is Perugia's biggest weakness this year, and is there a blueprint to beating them? In your opinion, um, I think their biggest weakness this year is injuries. As in, if they get injuries, that's when the weaknesses are going to start to show. <laughs> I don't know if they have any, 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 uh, 
any true weaknesses when when you see their team just because of the depth and the quality of players that they have. I mean, I mean, when, when we're we're going to do our our top twelve team players of the year this year, and how many of those players are going to be on Perugia? Um, <laughs> I, tr- I I I truly think that it was, it's going to take injuries, like multiple injuries. Yeah. To, to, yeah, Perugia. Like only, only it, there's only one player that is indisp- indispensable for Perugia, and that's Gianelli. Right, because of because of the three outside hitters that they have, and that, that's kind of my point too. My and two right sides. Right. And... Yeah. My answer to this: their only real weakness is the opposite position, because you have Rick Liskey, who's the steady guy at like a yeah weakness in quotes for sure. You're absolutely right. It's not truly a weakness but i think it's it's their the question is what's their biggest weakness i think that is the answer uh rick Liskey is steady but he's not gonna win you a game jesus herrera can win you a game but he can also lose you a game so uh there, there's options for anastasi there at the opposite position but it doesn't matter what perugia gets out of their opposite position as long as their outside hitters are healthy as long as you have leon and some combination of semenyuk and plutnitsky even if leon takes a match or two off. Semenyuk and Plotnitsky could easily carry Perugia to winning all five trophies this year. That's how good this team is. So I, I think it's a a combination every, of what you said. The only time that that opposite weakness would really bite Perugia is if injuries attacked them elsewhere, as if they had injuries at outside hitter such that opposite for them was able to get exposed a little bit more. But right now, if everyone's healthy, that's not going to happen. I think if Rich Lickey gets injured, it's it's a bigger thing. Like like after Gianelli, Rich just Rick, Rich Lickey is the, the second one. Just because I'm not hundred percent convinced that Herrera can be a guy at this level. Not game in, and game out. But uh, I, and I, but the the big area that I don't think he's going to be good at is blocking. Agreed. And Rich Lickey is a very underrated blocker because of how solid and steady he is. He's not going for like the, the big touch. He just sets his feet and gets over and pushes. Herrera is not like that at all. So I think there's a big, big, much bigger difference with Herrera than anyone else on the court for them. That's well said. So uh, another question in last week's comment section relating to Perugia is hypothetically, if you put two teams on the court. One team was this year's Perugia. The other team was this year's Italian men's world championship winning team. Who wins? So, like, the guys on Perugia who are on the team, so Gianelli, Russo, any of the backups, whatever, they can play for both of them. So take the starting seven from Perugia and the starting seven from the world championship final for Italy's national team. Who wins? I'm going with Perugia in this one. Um you know, when you look at that Italian team, they just work so well together. Um, but when you look at player per player, like you can't – Micheletto and Lavia are fantastic, but can you can compare them to Leon and, and Semenia? No, um, you can't. You know, the same thing is with, with – uh, what's his face on the right side? Why am I blanking on his name? We just talked about him today. The lefty doesn't really matter. You can't you can't compare him to to a Rich Lickie. I don't think that he's he's that good. Why am I blanking on Ilya's right side? Oh, Romano? Yeah. Yeah, Romano. There we go. You, you can't – yeah, Romano's too streaky. He, he's, he's the Jesus Herrera of that team. And 100%. Just like, I think serving. Yeah, Perugia uh, – I'm, I'm with you. I think Perugia wins that hypothetical match, even if both teams have Gianelli. Uh, there's There's – more raw talent at every position for Perugia other than maybe Libero. Maybe Fabio Belasso is better than now than Massimo Scalacci, who's towards the end of his career. 
but yeah, Perugia is 100%. Perugia is better in the middle for sure. The, like Flavio is better than Anzani, even if Russo plays for both teams. It doesn't. The only area that I see Italy taking the advantage is coaching. The only area that they have is is is, is uh, Fernando Di Giorgi leading that team. And if there's one coach who might be able to take down Perugia this season, it would be him. But at the end of the day, strategy could only go so far as the horses you've got. And Italy's got some fantastic horses, but they're, they're not running against those the best in the world. I agree. So in a similar vein to that question, there was a, a basically a, whoa, mirror, a whoa. mirror question on the women's side. Who wins ever at a hypothetical match between the Serbian women's team that won the world championship and Imoko Caneliano right now? I don't think, I'm going, I don't think there's any going, player overlap there. Let's say Santorelli gets to coach both of them. I'm going the opposite way. I think, I mean, it's different now because technically Santorelli uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't with, with Turkey. But when we asked the question, he was. So we're going to stick it with that. I think I'm going to go with Serbia. Really? Yes, I, I do. Wow. Because at, at the end of the day, international volleyball is much more team and system oriented than club volleyball. Club volleyball is very much like player for player, like pound for pound, um, Build the, know, how, build, the, yeah, build, build the most talented roster. Build the most talented roster team. But to me, what made that Serbian team so good is how well they work together as a team. And, you know, especially when you look at Canigliano, right, this year, like if it was last year, it might be a different story when you start c- comparing, you know, um, that Canigliano team with Agonu on the right side as, you know, Serbia with, with Boscovic. But for me, I think that that way that Serbian team works together in the system that they run, and they still have arguably one of the best players in the world on the on the right side, and a lot of good, good, solid p- people around them. I think Serbia takes it just because they work better together. Okay, uh, I th- that's a very interesting take, and it's it's you make a lot of good points for that. Tiana Boscovic is awesome, and that Serbian team did play kind of the rest of the pieces around Boscovic played better than expectation i would say and they came together as a team more than we probably could have expected them to however Corneliano literally just beat tiana boscovic a week ago convincingly and yeah, that but boscovic doesn't have doesn't have what serbia has around her pretty close it, it, it's it's close enough that I think matchup-wise and talent across the board, one for one, the only position where it is close between Serbia and Corneliano is opposite. And Isabel Hawk is amazing. Like, Ioana Volos is better than even if it were Onjenovic, which in, in the World Championship it was not. Like, Dertza played great. Volos is a better setter than her. I think maybe Stevanovic in the middle for Serbia has an advantage over, like, Scorcini, Lubion, and De Cruyff, maybe, but Corneliano has better outside hitters. They have a better libero for sure. And uh, I think the setter position is is really the thing. I think Corneliano would win that match. I disagree. I think, yes, the individual players may be like pound for pound. The players are better. But the links between the players are stronger. And that's where that's where Santorelli – because, once again, you have Santorelli on both, on both, <laughs> um, on both sides. And I think that – you know, the, 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 the key for Canigliano is just overpower, whereas I think Santorelli could break that, break that. You know, you break down Catherine Plummer and it's stuff. That's a good point. Uh, she, she has that, that weakness for sure. All right, uh, b- before we wrap on to kind of go, go on to a couple sort of year, year awards of sorts, I guess we can call them. One more question from last week. 
who would you rather be this season? Which player ever would you prefer to be independent of how much money they're making? So don't consider salary. Would you rather be a superstar player like Paola Egonu, who plays on Vakif Bank and is underperforming a little bit? Or would you rather be a role player like Roberto Russo, who's a middle blocker, plays most of the time on the best team in the world in Perugia? Oh, I'd be a role player any day of the week. That's my bread and butter, baby. You know, like the only reason I made my 18U team was because I was a role player. They're like, hey, yeah, you want to be our third middle, second right side, fourth left side, second center, and backup libero? Yeah, you can come play for our team, right? I, I think for me, like you, you, you have that position. There's so there's so many more ways to make your team better from the bench than people know by by supporting your 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 teammates. And I think for me, that's always been been my bread and butter. This is why I talk about volleyball instead of playing, <laughs> uh, playing it. Even at, you can ask, um, you know, one of the the stars of the Bundesliga, Jory Mantha, who was my 18U teammate when I sprained my uh, ankle at nationals in 18U and had to go to the hospital. They talked about how much I was missed just on the bench. So, yeah, I could be Robert Russo any day of the week. Could I be a Gono? Absolutely not. <laughs> not not a chance. I have enough self-awareness to know that I could not be the star of a team. Yeah, um, I would like to be the star of a team. It would be fun to get all the balls, but uh, it also would not be fun at all when uh, you're the star of the team, you're not playing great, your team's not playing great, and people blame you for that. I think Egonu personally has, has struggled with that in her early career so far because she is so good and her expectations or outside expectations of her are so high. I mean, also because I played middle most of my career, I'll take I'll take Roberto Russo's role any day of the week. You're, you're, if you're a middle, you're a role player no matter what you do. You're not going to be in the spotlight as a middle unless your name is Robert Landy Simone. So if you're a middle blocker, all you want to do is be on the best team you can be on. So I think that one's a no-brainer. 100%. A quick question. One more question here for you. Who's your comeback pair of player of 2022? Man, so you stole my answer for this. Uh, your answer is Aaron Russell, and that's who I would like to pick because I also I have a backup. So if you want to pick Aaron Russell, you can I would Aaron really Russell. like to pick Aaron Russell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take that one from you. Yeah, 100%. I think Aaron Russell was, was fantastic for the national team this season. It's too bad that he's not playing in a top league right now because I think he'd be going off. Yeah. Um, but my other answer has to be Stefan Boyer. And the way that he came back for France this year, the way he's been for JW this year, like last year, it was kind of a half and half between him and Hadrava. This year, it's been Boyer all the way. There's there's no doubt about it. Hadrava's coming off the bench. How he was for for France in the BNL, the World Championships, this man has has re-earned his spot. I mean, there was a few years ago, he was playing Qatar. Right. Right? So, like, this is a dude who has has brought himself back. So, you know what? If you want to take Aaron Russell, you're more than welcome to because I think Stefan Boyer deserves all the credit in the world for bringing him back to, to to where he is. And he's it looks like he hasn't missed a beat either. I think that's pretty that's a pretty good take. And on that note, Everett, I think it's time. I think it's time Let's that we it. that we unveil to the people our personal top twelve player lists on the men's side for the year twenty twenty two. So if you're new to the show, we did this last year. And what prompted it last year was Volleyball World coming out with their own top 12 player lists that were absolutely embarrassing. And we dedicated an entire show to roasting their lists and creating our own. So this time we're getting out in front of it. We have created our own top 12 list for the men for only the calendar year 2022. That's important. It's not who's the best player in the world right now. It's who had the best year. So we'll put this out there now. We'll put the women's out in a week or two, and we'll see if Volleyball World does it again. Uh, Everett, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, let's, you can go first. I would love to. All right, so 
This is my list. This is my list for the top 12 players from the year 2022 on the men's side. I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start at 12. I'm, I'm, yeah, start at the bottom. I'm going to start at the bottom. And I was I was thrilled to actually be able to legitimately put Ole Plotnitsky on this list. My 12th best player of the year in 2022 is Ole Plotnitsky. Not only for his role in Perugia, because he, as we've seen already this club season and last club season, he is vitally, vitally important. He single-handedly carried Ukraine to a top eight finish at the World Championship. Single-handedly. Remember how, how cleanly they destroyed the Netherlands in the round of 16? That was Ole Plotnitsky. It was so good to see him be the guy on a team. Not only is he so skilled, but he has the versatility to be the guy on the national team and come off the bench and still be a top 10 outside hitter in the world in club. So well-deserved. Ole Plotnitsky is my pick at number 12. Every- How about this real quick? Let's let's just run through the list and then we can discuss a few of the players. Okay, good call. All of, your, all, all of your reasonings for picking someone are, are going to be my reasonings too. That, that's a good call. Let, let's do it. Uh, Stefan Boyer, you already made the case for him. Uh, opposite for France and Yashemsky Vingel. He's my pick at number 11. Mateusz Biniak at the middle blocker spot for Poland and Skrabel Katov is my pick at number 10. By the way, it's important that we, unlike the volleyball world lists, we consider both club and national team performances in, in our lists for the year. So I've got Mateusz Biniak at number 10. I've got Eric Shoji at number 9. I've got the American libero from Zaxa at number nine. He won a Champions League. I've also got David Smith at number eight. David Smith at the middle blocker spot. Uh, He has the exact same resume as Shoji this year. uh, Second at VNL and and winning Champions League and and everything in Poland. Seven is Namir Abdelaziz for me. I think he's the best opposite on the planet right now. Six, Luciano DiCecco, the setter from Argentina and Lubech Ivanova. Five, I've got Daniele Lavia. Uh, which I think you and I, Everett, could both say he might be the most underrated player of the year. I thought Lavia had a great year. Obviously, he won a world championship. Four, I've got a little bit of a hot take. I've got a libero at number four. It's Fabio Bolasso. He won a Scudetto with Lube and a world championship with Italy. I've got Robert Landy Simone in the middle at number three. Only reason he's not higher is because Cuba wasn't quite so good at the world championship. I've got Camille Semenyuk at number two. His performance in last year's Champions League speaks for itself. And then for Poland and for Perugia now. And at number one, I've got the two-time World Championship MVP of both club and national team this year, winning both of them at the setter position, Simone Gianelli. Honorable mention for Wilfredo Leon, Bartholomew Chinese, and Alessandro Micheletto. Right. I, I like that list. I honestly I can't I can't I can't hate on it much. I I, I like it a lot. All right, so let's talk about yours before we – or let's go through yours before we break it down a little further. Here's Everett's list for 2022. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. I'm going with Nishida. I know he didn't have a fan. I think he had a better season in the Super League last year than we give him credit for, especially in the second half. I know his first half was a little rough, and especially considering the garbage uh, that Vivo had around him. Um, I, I think he deserves it there. Chinese, I think he's consistently one of the best players in the world. So much fun to watch. And then your boy so- Shoji, I had to, I had to slip him in there in there as well. Give a little love to the liberos. Twelve, I'm going in at Stefan Boyer. We've already talked about it was fantastic. Eleven, I'm going Marcin Janusz. Stepped in for stepped in for Zaxa. Helped them win the Plus Liga. Helped them win the Champions League. Stepped in for Poland as their number one setter too. He's a dude on the rise. Gotta love it. Biniak. It's obvious. Um, Angapeth, MVP of VNL. I don't know how you left him off your list. 
Um, another guy you left off your list, Flavio. Fantastic. Helping helping Brazil at the World Championships and the VNL. Killing it for Perugia this year as well. You got David Smith out there. Yeah, good job of Flavio. He deserves all the respect. Hey, I'll, I'll interrupt you to say that you, nobody on my list will ever get credit if their team gets relegated. Did Flavio's team get relegated? He played for Vibo Valencia last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then now he's playing for Perugia and absolutely and and, and killing it. So you know what? And and he had a great a great year for and 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 I will and if you want to go back to how many times Flavio was the best player for Vivo last he was the, year. He was the best player and, on the team. It wasn't even close. And, and led them in scoring. So yeah, Flavio gets all the respect in my books. Fabio Balasso, I think he was fantastic, super uh clutch for, for Italy. But you can't have him that high. He got he got to be down got to be down a little bit lower. Decheco was fantastic for uh for Lube. Average with Argentina. Namir doesn't you know what else scoring machine yep Semenya coming in at number four i've got lev lavia at number three i think he was fantastic for trentino even better for uh for italy he was the mvp of the world championships was was unreal oh no sorry it was one of their it was was a all-star from the, from the world championships number two i've got robert lanny simone just because of the ridiculous numbers last year he put up for lube and then finally gianelli the dude's iron man yep. Played every game for Perugia last year. Played every game for Italy this this summer at the VNL and the World Championships. And now he's continuing with 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 uh, with, uh, with Perugia. He is on an absolute high right now. Let's let's break this down a little bit more because I, I like those two lists. We've got some similarities. The chat is absolutely popping off right now. I love that. But I, I'm seeing a lot of comments in the chat that are just brain dead. You people are so dumb. This is why we have a show and you don't. How could you? I mean, uh, no man, so, some of these some of these takes are completely insane. Again, this is for the calendar year 2022 only. The calendar year 2022 only. Absolutely, Daniele Lavia had a better year than Alessandro Micheletto in the calendar year 2022. I don't know how you can argue that. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I think it's almost criminal how low Lavia is on on your list. Um, I, I'd call them as as one of my best players of the the of the 2022 international season. So, so uh, here's, here we'll go over. It's, it, I can't put the, the two things at the at, up at the same time. I wish I could, but so we're, we're aligned on Gianelli at number one. I think, I think that's, that that's, it's, it's definitely fair to call him the best player this year. Uh, you've got Robert Lenny Simone at two. I've got him at three only because Semeni, who I've got at two, one more. Simone won a Scudetto. Semenyuk was the MVP of the Champions League and hit 700 efficiency in the final. Like that, that is holds more gravity to me. Also, he plays a more valuable position. But for Lavia, we've both got him really high, and I totally agree with that uh, because I thought he had a phenomenal year. I think he has a case for the most underrated player in the year. This uh, under, underrated player in the world this year. But he the, he he did win a world championship. But on the club level, he came in second to Camille Semenyuk and all those guys at, at every turn. So I couldn't quite put him above fifth. I really think for me, it was Gianelli, Semenyuk, Simone, top three. That was easy for me. Below that, I had a really hard time ranking these guys. But Levy, Lavia was the best outside hitter for Italy at the World Championships. Yeah, he was better than like, it, was, it wasn't even close. Yeah, and he was better than, than Romana, too. Yeah, he was. Fair enough. Uh, um, all right, well, moving, moving on. Decheco, that one's obvious. Yeah, I think we've we've actually both got Decheco at six. Yeah, yeah, and I think we've both got Beniak at ten. So that's cool. And then uh, you've got Boye at twelve. I've got him at eleven. 
Um, yeah, I really thought I really thought that both Shoji and Smith deserved to be on this list. I think we had the kind of the same argument last year, Everett, of the 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 the, the balance between what did your team win this year and how well did you individually play. I weighed it a little more towards what your team won. Now I've still got to put guys like Simone. Well, Simone won a Scudetto. He obviously deserves it. Namir didn't win anything this year, but he's so unbelievably good and single machine. Yeah, and single-handedly carries teams like the Netherlands and Hawk Van Conqueror that he deserves to be here. But Smith and Shoji, as well as those two played for Zaxa, winning Champions League again in Smith's case, and taking the United States to second VNL. I really think that they both were unbelievably valuable to both of those teams, and their team performance puts them on my list. To be honest, even though you wrote it down, I completely forgot that USA won, got second at the VNL. Um, I will have to say that... Did you, for, did you forget singing my national anthem on the show? Did you forget that too? <laughs> How could I ever forget that? Um, to me, I think David Smith has been absolutely fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but... And especially like how much better he's gotten. But for me, his value is if, if consistency and clutch plays at clutch times. And I don't know if he has the game to game impact that some of the other middles on my list have. Yeah, well, he, he's a middle. I mean, how, let's see. You had what two middles on your list? Just uh, Simone and Beniak with Chinese honorable mention. Yeah, no, and Fla- and Flavio. Oh, you had Flavio, dude. I, I don't. I don't think it's reasonable to put Flavio on there. I, I don't I see not. it. Because he was he was he was the best middle for Brazil this year. They got third at the World Championships. That's true. He was the best player for 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 Vivo. They got relegated. Um, last, yeah, but that's not to, that's not to his fault. Same, right? same like, reason why the, you have Nishida on there. He was. I mean, he, yeah, I, I but he had a good was, year. He had a great World Championship. But again, his team got relegated. You, I, I cannot put a guy on my list whose team got relegated. I can't do it. Yeah, but if you got you've got two stars like like drowning in shit, it doesn't really matter what's like <laughs> like you know, you're going to get relegated when you've got like like what was it? Like you got uh, Uncle Mo out there. Yeah, that was rough. You know, you're just bringing in just absolute garbage. So you got to look at their body of work. And yeah, they had some. They they were the the brightest stars in a shitty situation. Okay, so um, you, the the only and also the only like I gotta play. You, the, I gotta play a little bit to the Nishida stance too. Oh thing, my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know I'm not stupid to that level. So, okay, sell me on two guys that are on your list but aren't on mine. Sell me first on Martin Janusz because I think that he choked in the World Championship. Yeah, he may have choked in the World Championship, but he didn't choke at the the World or the Champions League finals. Like you're you're True. rating Semenyuk off of his his Champions League performance, and Janusz was dishing, dishing him all those balls, right? And and furthermore, like Janusz is a new player to being a starter. He's the MVP right? of the like, Plus Liga, MVP of the Plus Liga stepped in like. He did. He did one more than Tony Uti was able to do last year. He won the Plus Liga for for Zaxa, and he won the Champions League. And you step in, sure, may, yeah, maybe things are are underperforming on the Poland side. But how much is that on? Is that on him? You know, uh, sure, maybe he had some. You know, I just think there's a, there's some other things going on. And if you lead a team to a Champions League final and a Plus Liga, how is he? How is he not there? Okay, fair enough. That's a good sell. I. I... That one can convince me. I don't think that I can be convinced by Irvin Ingepet, though. Other than VNL, his Modena season, both last year and this year so far, have not been good. You know what? Let's 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 look at look at this. I'm gonna go check up the stats real quick. Uh, because I think that Ingepet's season has been better than you than you thought, than you think. 
Yeah, th- I mean, that's possible. Uh, Ingepath finished sixth in scoring last year in the, in the Plus Liga. In the, the Super Liga. In the, yeah, sorry, sorry, Super Liga. He finished sixth in scoring with 368 points. He was averaging over four, four points a set. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he was Modena's right. entire – him and Namir were Modena's entire offense because Leal was be, busy being a stooge. Like, but Leal was a top-10 scorer too. Leal scored uh, 338 points, also averaging over four points a set. So, you know. I actually thought like, – I, I thought and, briefly about like, – because I, I thought about Brazil. I was thinking about – like going back to my list. I was thinking about Brazil winning bronze of the world championship. I'm like, all right, who, who from Brazil can I in good conscience put on this list? thought about Flavio. I was like, nope, his team got relegated. No way. Then I, I did think about Wallace. I, I thought about Leal because at the world championship, he was so ridiculously good. He was their best player for sure. But then I remembered the kicking incident with Modena when he got suspended, and I just could not bring myself to put him on the list. So, so you're you're going to you're going to take in that kick, the kick, the kick of God in, in, into your consideration. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, kick gate. I mean, if 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 you and and then the way that he behaved himself afterward, because he was eligible to play at the end of that semifinal series for Modena and chose not to. Like he he gave up on his team, and that that knocks him off my list for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, you, the only two that you have that I don't really is is Smith and Shoji. Smith and Shoji, and then Plotnitsky. I already made the sell. I mean, people are people in the in the chat are talking about Wilfredo Leon. Where's Wilfredo Leon? He's the best player in the world. Yes, I agree. But again, this is the year 2020, 2022 only. He did not play a second for the national team because he got surgery, missed VNL, missed World Championship, and Perugia. Even though Leon was hurt in the first half of the year, Perugia was overwhelmingly disappointing. So it's not about how good you are. It's about how good of a year you have. That's why Leon didn't make either of Everett and I's lists. No, absolutely. He just he didn't play national team, and he's he, he was you know injured for the end of the uh, the Perugia season. So no. Um, let's, one let's thing look, we do we do have chat. We gotta we gotta yeah. go to the chat and roast some. No, hundred percent. Where's that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Get this homerism out of here. You guys have got to get throw your bias out the window here. Uh, is like average. Get out of here. I'm sorry. You guys lost to Denmark. You <laughs> lost to Cuba. You lost to Cuba in the Challenger Cup finals. Your only accomplishment this year was beating an adult Canadian team to make it out of pool play. Like that's seriously the only thing that you've ever done. And that's the biggest black mark on the Canadian program in the past 10 years. So, yeah. so like story if I'm wrong. Yeah. Lagumja was had a, a injury se- injury riddled season last year with, with Piacenza um, was you know, when he's at his best, Lugumja can be the best, but he's an early season guy because yep. he just has, doesn't have the cojones to get it done at the end of the season. Yep. Lugumja. Or, or, or in Denmark. Lugumja <laughs> did not win anything this year. Uh, if, if they had won Challenger Cup, they had beaten Cuba. Maybe, maybe I, I, I would consider it, but no, absolutely no way. Yeah. The, the, Winning the Pan Am the, Cup means nothing. Get out of here. No yeah. way to see crack the list. Uh, Micheletto, again, I, I see another point in Micheletto in the chat. Lavia had a better year. They were on the same teams. They achieved the exact same things, and Lavia had a better year. That's not even debatable. And yes, people talking about Ole Plotnitsky. Yes, I am correct for putting him on my list. He is amazing. But again, unfortunately, he didn't win very much this year either. He performed extremely well, especially for Ukraine. But uh, hardware is important to me when I make my lists. Fair enough. Well, somebody talking about TJ DeFalco. I mean, recency bias heavy there. He's playing great for Rosovia. You got to you got to remember how terrible he was at the World Championship for the U.S. So 
take the whole year. Think about the entire year. That's what we're doing here. Yeah, I've seen some some calls for Kurek. No, we got a bunch no. of trolls looking for Brizal. He plays in like, Japan. Kurek plays in Japan. I'm, I'm yeah, just yeah. Brizal, Brizal, nowhere to be found. Nope. Anyways, like no reason he should have been just because he led it, France to the the Olympics doesn't nothing. Um, yeah, he won VNL, but I mean, just just because Volleyball World called him the best player in the world last year doesn't mean we're going to give him anything this year. Yeah, we got a lot of people. We got people who are either mad that I have Ishi- uh, Nishida as an honorable mention or mad that he's not on the list at all. So, Weebs. you know. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Um, uh, I like both of these lists. Uh, like, just like we did last year, we'll put them out on Instagram and, and, and poll the people and see uh, who's, whose list is better. And then tune in the next, either next week or the week after. We'll do the exact same thing for the women's for the year 2022. I'm really interested to see if Volleyball World does one. Um, I kind of hope they, they do so that we can roast it again. I had a good time going in on this. Absolutely. <laughs> and I hope Clayton picks it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that, that, would give, that would give us fuel for weeks worth of content. Could you imagine? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I'd really want Clayton Lucas to like, come and like, do a video about it. You know, oh. like him coming on YouTube. Like, he was my top Do 12. an episode oh. of The Quick Set. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, uh, we said we were going to keep the show to an hour. That didn't work out. We're, we're an hour and 20 in, and it's been awesome. Uh, this is the last show of 2022. We'll be right back here next Tuesday to kick off the volleyball year of 2023. No. Oh, are, are you out next week, Everett? We got it. We got yeah, my, 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 my flight is in the PM on next Tuesday. Gotcha. Back in so if you want to go, on, I, I won't be the, – the wedding's on the, the second, so I won't be – I will not be in any state of mind to be talking about volleyball <laughs> or even speaking at all uh, at that point. And then I'll be on a flight home on the third. So if we want to go the fourth, we could go the fourth. Okay. Um, yeah, we could maybe go the fourth or or we can uh, take, a I think, a well-deserved week off and come back on, on the 10th. It's a couple of Tuesdays yeah. from now. So Yeah, I, I don't we'll, – we'll, we'll get you guys to know yeah. via the Discord and, and social media like that. Honestly, I'm kind of just leaning to not having a show next week, if, especially since there's not really happening um this weekend in 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 the world of volleyball let's okay you know what let's do that let's do that uh we're gonna we're gonna be off next week uh no show next tuesday january 3rd we're gonna take the week off um there there's not you're right ever there's not much volleyball going on and then in two weeks uh, on january 10th is the next tuesday we'll do the show we will unveil our top 12 women's list for 2022 yep absolutely all right, boys and girls, happy new year. We love you all. Thank you so much for watching the show. Get in the Volleyball Source Discord if you're not already. Uh, the link's in the description here on YouTube. Uh, thanks for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening on the audio format. Uh, we'll see you in the Discord for the Copa Italia men's. It starts tomorrow and Thursday. Uh, Everett, happy new year, my friend. Enjoy Arizona and enjoy the week off next week. Uh, I will. Happy New Year's uh, to you as well, uh, my friend. Make sure you guys go check out uh, that volleyball.store. Um, and yeah, Happy New Year's, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being around. Let's have a kick ass 2023. You know it. It's been a great year. We're not slowing down. We'll see you guys in 2023. Happy New Year. Peace. Peace.